it's not news to anybody that we're living in a fast changing, ever evolving world. Everybody knows that. And the recent events of the last three or four years have really accelerated that mm. on a scale we have never, ever witnessed before. The whole world impact of the pandemic, if there's one thing that I would say is a massive positive about it, is our ability to adapt and change. It's just unprecedented in my lifetime and what we have demonstrated clearly is that where there is a real need and it necessitates mm -hmm. an ability to be able to change we can actually change as human beings but we're constantly battling with when we don't really need to but we know it would be useful to do it but the most it isn't a must do or die situation yeah. we have to fight with our comfort zone mm -hmm. at the heart of this is what we just what is described as what we describe as growth power in our power up program and it's more commonly described in the world of psychology as the growth mindset and that is the subject of this uh, episode something very very close to my heart and i'll talk a little bit more why why that is and so what we'll cover in this episode is we'll we'll sort of unravel the layers to growth power and a growth mindset and discuss why it's such an important force for propelling careers and growing um, as a human being. What we will explore is what a growth mindset and growth power actually is, what can sometimes get in the way, some of our path conditioning that can get in the way of our ability to learn and grow and why a growth mindset and growth power is so critical to help us willingly adapt to change. Let's firstly explore what we really mean by growth mindset and why it's really important. Mm. Well, I think the obvious point is, is that if you're not moving forward, you're almost certainly moving backwards. Yeah. Life is moving on. Life is changing. We're doing things in a different way. We're interacting in a different way. The world of work is changing at a phenomenal pace. What employers want from their prospective employees is changing. What clients want from suppliers is changing. What employees want from employers is, is changing. Indeed, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Everything is subject to change mm. all the time. And what was current a year ago is not no longer current today. If you are not changing with the times, you could argue in a previous life or many years ago... Yeah. You, know, you get a little bit behind. Yeah, you you know, this person's sort of dragging their heels a bit and they're living a little bit in the past. You think about how that attitude today of staying with a sort of fairly fixed view of the world, the consequences of that today mm. are very much more exaggerated because of the pace of change. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is is down to technology. You know, when I think about my, my parents, they were, you know, it's only really in re maybe in the past 10, 10, 15 years with technology and the pace that technology has changed. They learn one thing, but it's obsolete, you know, practically the next week or the, or the next month. Mm. You know, they need to learn a new way of doing things. And in, in the end, they've actually just <laughs> thought technology's not for me. And for us, so for them, it took maybe decades for that to happen. For us, if we're not continuously learning because of the pace of change, that is going to happen to us 
a lot more quickly if we don't mm-hmm. continually focus mm-hmm. on our growth mm-hmm. mindset and learning and adapting. And actually, even in the job market, there's a, a Forbes study that the skills that are in demand, even today, 49% of them are going to be obsolete, not needed in just two years' time. 49%. I mean, of that's the quite skills. an astounding stat. Yeah. Now, even if that's a half truth, yeah. even if it's slightly well, exaggerated, yeah. even if it's a fraction is, of that, that it's is, still that scary. Is, that is phenomenal, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it, it's, and, and I'm, I'm sure a number of our listeners have seen these videos on the future technological changes predictions of the future they really i mean they really make you sit up in fact when you look at the world backwards as well and you look at the advances in technology where we are what we're able to do Mm. today and the accelerated pace particularly in the last 20 years it really demonstrates that the impact of whilst technology is accelerating at a huge pace, human technology, the ability of our brains and our our attitudes to be able to adapt to this is rather much slower. Yeah. For those people that are able to cultivate this skill of being a learner. Mm in this fast-changing world, are ultimately going to be the winners long-term. Absolutely. So we're talking about an attitude here that says, no matter what, the most important skill that you can actually learn is the ability to learn and adapt. I think it was the American philosopher Eric Hoffer that said, and it's actually one of my favourite quotes, and it's been my favourite quote since our days when we first worked together, Mm -hmm. and that's that learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Yeah, I know, it's so eloquent. And I I love that. I've always loved that. The other one is um, if you're not living on the edge, you're giving up, you're taking up too much room. But That was the very quote I was trying to think of. I couldn't remember, so thanks for that. Oh, really? Yeah, and I I love that quote. I've always loved it. Yeah, always, and I'm, I'm when I'm sometimes you know working with different organisations, I'm literally looking at them thinking, "You are beautifully equipped yes. to live in a world that no longer exists. <laughs> it's not the world we're moving towards." So, even though someone is arguing for something in the past that it actually is true, yes, that is true. It 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 actually it's not going to help you in the future. It will not serve no. them in the future. You know, I mean, even the, the way that the job market has has changed. You know, our parents' job for life. You know, find yourself a good job and you'll be set mm. for life. Mm. Not the case no. anymore. You know, so your your skills and your ability to learn and grow and adapt is 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 your marketability, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. absolutely the heart of it. The, you know, the learning to learn. Yep. That is, I mean, one of the, one of the things I was fortunate enough to be exposed to very early on in my professional speaking career was a group of educationalists, and their big thing was all around learning to learn. Mm. I was taught the skills of accelerated learning and whole brain learning, and that's the ability to be able to take in information in different ways, learn how you learn best. Mm. But the whole mindset of being a learner, yeah, it's it's so so powerful. And if we, if we think about what do we mean, what what would be happening if you're not doing this? Well, we're really talking about somebody that is wedded to their way of thinking, yeah, is inflexible in embracing new ideas and new possibilities, but also not seeing not seeing themselves being flexible enough to be able to learn that 
new yeah. that new skill because of some um, fear of the unknown, etc. Yeah, and so, I think the, the the evidence is is clear in the same way that a computer of the nineteen eighties would not be able to wouldn't be very useful in today's world. Mm. You know, we've got to update our own operating mm. systems absolutely so that we can navigate yeah. today and the future. Well, in, in talking the pace. about operating systems on hardware, I mean, you know, you you have certain software. That won't new software won't work with these yeah. operating systems even two three years yeah, ago. It's a great analogy. You know you have to keep update. I had a you know a beautiful Mac that became obsolete because it was like seven eight years old. Uh, became obsolete because it wouldn't work with um, some of the new uh, software. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that happens ever quickly, and the yeah. same thing will happen to us yeah. ever more quickly yeah. if we don't yeah. pay attention to this. So, what are some of the things then that because the case is clear, what are some of the things that get in the way of people adopting a growth mindset? Surely the evidence is so compelling that people would automatically do this sort of thing, but it's not always the case, no. is it? There's a couple of questions I like to ask people when we're talking about this subject. One, the first question is, how open are you to learning? Mm. Or how much do you, you know, how, how open are you to learning new information? And that would be evidenced by your habits around learning. What are you reading? What are you listening to? What new information are you taking in? So as a listener, think about what score would you give yourself by virtue of the fact you're listening to this podcast, one would suggest you might be interested in learning. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how open are you? What's your readiness around uh, learning? Scale of 1 to 10. 10 being very high, 1 being very low. Mm -hmm. Second question is once you've got that new information, how quick, fast, open are you to change so i've learned this new way of doing something oh that looks really good but how quickly do you do you adapt that idea into the way you work how how good are you at breaking old habits and creating new ones mm. rather than going yeah that's a great idea but it's going to require too much effort or i might not be able to do it so again same thing openness to or readiness to and speed of change scale of one to ten ten being very high one being a bit bit slow to adapt multiply the two together gives you gives you what we call a kind of teachability index and typically what people would tend to score themselves on the first number it's relatively high seven or eight Mm. possibly being a little bit generous there but around seven or eight but in truth when we look at the second number it's more typically around four four or five Mm. so four times eight 32 percent teachability index now multiply that by ten thousand people in an organization and you've got the kind of oil tanker syndrome and that's why in in the work that we do we have to place so much attention on obviously what's done Mm. in in terms of the content of the learning but so much effort put Mm. into how people actually transfer Mm. it into what they do day to day compare that with somebody an organization that has a teachability index on average of 70 percent this is like speedboat territory yeah you're able to turn on a sixpence an old phrase show my age there (laughs) sixpence what on earth is a sixpence (laughs) did you you have one in your shoe when you got married So, yeah, but the point is, you know, can you can you make that change when it's needed? Yeah. Do you have the adaptability and the agility to be able to, you know, we talk a lot about agile learning, mm. and that is the ability to absorb information, 
implement, put a team together, learn together, and then go and implement that learning. In, yeah. uh, just like we did during COVID, as I was alluding to earlier, we were able to do it. We were both able to do it, but there was a desire and a need for it to be done. So guess what? We just mm. did it. I mean, we, put our, huge... we put our fears to one side, we yeah. put our concerns to one side. We smashed through our comfort zones mm. because it was a needs must. Yeah. So when you say what is the problem and what is the difficulty, I think it's a lot to do with the fact that we sit so far in deeply inside our comfort zone most of the time. We're creatures of habit. We've talked about this before mm. in other podcasts. It's a natural thing. Yeah. Um, and I think our, con- our conditioning as well and the some of the conditioning and the, the beliefs associated with learning, you know, our conditioning has been from an environment that has been very much focused on attainment and, uh, you know, results. Having to get things right. And having to get things right. So that is at odds with the notion of learning, trying, mm. doing, reviewing. Yeah. Fail um, faster, succeed sooner, yeah. all that kind of concept. So, so I think for some people, you know, fear is is real. You know, if I if I put myself out there and and learn this new thing, then what if I fail? Ooh, you know, will I be I judged? Succ- what if I what if I succeed and they ask me to do it? Yes, <laughs> I've got to keep doing it every day. Yeah, well, yeah. I just well, I tell you what, why don't I just keep my head down and hope someone else puts their hand up? Yeah. And, and, of course, over time, this doesn't make us very agile. What we're trying to do here is get our brains used to the idea of feeling that sort of level of slight discomfort and breaking through. Slight discomfort, breakthrough. Slight mm. discomfort, breakthrough. When you have that feeling of slight discomfort again, your association, guess what, is breakthrough, not yeah. failure. Yeah. And even if you don't succeed, you can apply the notion of all feedback, you know, all failure is feedback. Yeah. All feedback is learning or or, or learning enables you to move forward faster next time. And, and, and people talk about creative tension, don't they? But actually, you know, what you've just described is growth tension, isn't mm. it? There is a little bit of a, a tension that you experience in order to break mm. through. And each time your comfort zone is expanding. Mm. So the capacity. Yeah. is endless yeah one of the essential parts of this is actually how well does the organization and the environment you exist in embrace learning yeah because if on one hand we're asking employees to expand to learn new things but every time they make a mistake or they screw up we're yeah. chastising them mm-hmm. or pulling them up on it or pointing out to them it does require a different style of leadership yeah, to that of command and control mm-hmm. more draconian taskmaster get the job done don't make any mistakes everyone trying to cover up their mistakes imagine going to work each day and what you're trying to do is just make yourself look good and not of completely avoiding saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing won't speak up in a meeting in case i say the wrong thing as soon as i say the wrong thing my leader puts me right on it or other colleagues say well that's never going to work That type of environment does not create the level of psychological safety for people to grow and people to learn. Exactly that. And I think that one really powerful way that a leader can create that environment 
is to, which comes on to another podcast that we're going to be talking about, but is to show their own growth and their own learning and their own vulnerability. Willingness to make they, mistakes. Yeah, willingness to make mm, mistakes. Yeah. You know, it sets a very, very powerful tone from the top. So really important to embrace this, get comfortable with the idea that all learning definitely requires us to go outside our comfort zone and the associations we have with that is not one of fear, but one of growth and new learning and new pro- new possibilities. I personally, and I think partly due to the fact that I didn't go down a more formal route of education. Left school fairly early, fairly humble beginnings. My mother was insistent I go out and get a job, bring money into the family. My father had died. She was more concerned about bringing income into the family. So the idea of going off to university was not on her agenda at all. So I found myself at around 1920 looking around me thinking I'm not making very good advances here. I don't have this formal education. So I embarked at a very early age on an attitude of self-education what do i need to learn i started investing in in books and courses and i was buying stuff from the states i was and i found that to be i just it just became part of my part of my routine if you like Mm. that every week or every you know I'd always been coming on to going on some sort of course of some sort. Yeah. And I've just carried that through. Whereas a lot of people, they spend three very industrious, intense years at university. And then the only learning they embark on after that is the learning that is served up for them by their organisation. So many people that we speak to, particularly if they work in large organisations, the notion of investing in in yourself, like actual money in yourself is so foreign because it is served up, you know, all the time. But you know, you and I both mm. share an absolute love mm. of learning and a love of books mm. evidenced by our shelves yeah. and shelves in, in our I offices. can honestly say I probably invested upwards of fifty, maybe a hundred thousand of my own money in my own education over a number of years. Yeah. And yeah. that's not just buying a few books at, you know, seven pounds a time. Mm. This is making some serious investment in courses of my own choosing and it literally paid off. I mean I, I can remember but even far back as my in my early twenties, reading a little ad in the paper about do you want to be a public speaker? Yeah. Learn from Toastmasters champion Mike Fennessy. And I called this guy. I was living in in a provincial town outside of the city, some sort of good 60 miles away on the coast, south coast in Worthing. And I travelled up to London like once a month, a couple of times a month to get these lessons at a great expense. But that education and the contacts mm. I got from that put me on a track that eventually led me into a professional speaking career. Yeah. But it was hellishly expensive at the time. Well, you know? I, I think because, you know, I can remember there was the like the box sets of tapes and you know oh, they used yes. to cost hundreds of pounds oh which was yeah. a huge amount of money yeah. in in those days mm. but, you know like you some of the courses yeah. that that i've been on some of the distinctions mm. that you learn mm. about yourself so not mm. just a skill but about your mm. your yourself has just sparks yeah. one thing from another and it does create this excitement around the mm. opportunity to learn mm. new things i remember there was a guy uh, an old colleague of mine Barry Dunlop and he was uh, again like me a big investor in himself and he had this contact 
in Florida called Orv Coonley, remember his name, Orf. Attitude Improvers <laughs> Incorporated. And every single month we would phone up Orv and we'd say to him, right, what's new? What have you got? Yeah. And there were these out little um, six cassettes in a, in a, in a set Right, we're talking 1980s here. Cassettes in a cave, in a in a a tape, and we would buy these box sets. They were like, you know, even then they were like a hundred, hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. And you'd send them over. We'd listen to them. Then go to the next month, and every month we were doing this. Brilliant. Just to summarise what we said, then number one, learn how to learn. Learn the skills to be able to learn. That's at the heart of what we mean around growth power. The second thing is to get into the mindset of I need to continuously learn mm. and make it a habit, make it part, make self-education and investing yourself as part of what you do on a on a you know monthly, yearly uh, mm. basis. And then the final thing is to get comfortable with the idea that learning does require a little bit of being able to face into our fears and get outside our comfort zone, Mm. which leads us in to talking about the next bit, which is really the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. So, yeah, I I think it is definitely worth exploring, you know, the differences between a a fixed and a growth mindset. And um, a lot of this work was done by the research of, of Carol Dweck, and um, her book, Mindset, is a, a great one that we'll link for, for listeners. So in terms of a fixed mindset, the belief of, a, of someone with a fixed mindset is that your intelligent, intelligence is fairly fixed and it's not something you can do too much, much about. Much to change, yeah. Yeah, much to change. But on the flip side of that, somebody with a gross mindset would have the belief that, you know, you, you can learn and grow and adapt and, and develop, you know, endlessly. So this sort of idea that what you're good at is what you're good at, what you're not good at is what you're not good at, and it's not really going to change. I think that's what she was proposing mm. in, in the book. And as part of their research, this was really interesting. So they looked at the, the brains of people with a growth and a fixed mindset. In those that were identified as having a growth mindset, their brain was most active when they were talking about things they could do to improve the, the performance of a task. And those that had a fixed mindset, their brain was most active when they were being told what they did right and wrong. And I, I thought that was you know, so interesting that, you know, the activity of the brain mm. is actually focusing on different things Yeah, for each of those. Well, one one is very, I, I remember when she spoke about, because she did a lot of work with children, didn't she, where she first sort of started doing some experiments on this. And I think that she talks about this idea that children, when they're faced with a task, the, the children with a fixed mindset would notably give up quite quickly Mm. if they found they couldn't do something whereas those kids with a much more of a growth mindset it wasn't so much about actually completing the task it was more about the problem solving and enjoying the process of solving the task that kept them so the end in itself wasn't the most important thing whereas you know i know i've had three kids you've had a couple of kids yourself Mm. um i noticed with my three 
there definitely were differences in uh, some of them. One in particular, I felt that really wouldn't really try something unless I felt confident yes. in their ability to be able to do it and yeah. do it well. Whereas, not going to mention names in case I listen, um, <laughs> would we be much more willing to experiment? So much more, you know, that's just, I don't know where that comes from. It's just maybe it's just a, a kind of born innate attitude. Yeah. But it, you, you, and I, and when I read that in her book, I thought, ah, oh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. It's interesting because I think we, as parents and as leaders in organ, you know, similar to what we were saying about leaders in organisations setting the context, you know, as parents and teachers, you know, if you can reward the process of learning as much as the attainment and the accolades and the certificates. Mm. you know and and praise the effort that has gone into the process then that supports development of a growth mindset it supports continuous learning yeah it supports what peter singer described as the learning organization yeah the whole organization is about recycling learning um, embracing new ideas innovation supporting people it supports as I alluded to earlier, it supports the style of leadership that you need yeah. um, to support continuous learning. Remember, Google did that very famous uh, study on what constitutes great teams. Yes. And what was the number one number one thing? Right at the top of the list was psychological safety. Mm. And at the heart of that, it's really about supporting people learning yeah. and learning from each other. And actually, a growth mindset is linked to optimism as well as a direct link to optimism and optimistic people are 31 percent more productive so it makes sense you know it, you actually get more from mm. people who adopt a growth mindset so it absolutely makes sense to grow individuals that have that sort of mindset and lead individuals well, it's a willingness isn't it to, in to, to lean into experimentation yeah and try try things and rather than you know we we used to use a metaphor of juggling and we would teach people our goal was to try and teach as many people to be able to juggle inside 10 to 15 minutes and what we would find there is those people that would keep hold of what we used to call the third ball in their hands through fear of dropping it they wouldn't even throw it but those people that we used to say, look, let's get used to throwing the ball away and allowing it to drop. Mm. Throw the ball away and allow it to drop. And then they start to work out how to catch it. But mm. you first of all got to release the ball in order to be able to accomplish a task of yeah. catching the third ball and then recycling it again. But those people who are, had put more focus on wanting to avoid dropping it yeah. and never releasing it, you know, it's a great metaphor. Yes. So it's a very, very powerful way of demonstrating to people if you allow the third ball to fly, yeah. which is your bit of fear, you will work out. As Again, back to that pandemic, guess what we did? We worked a way. We found a way. Mm. We found a way to adapt to our new environment to survive. And it is a self-fulfilling prophecy as well, isn't it? Of course it? it is. You know, if you say, I cannot do this or I, I, I cannot you know learn this new skill because i'm not good at this type of thing then guess what mm. you won't take the action and chances are you will reinforce your belief that you are not good at that thing Absolutely. if you release the break and and go for it and and learn and adapt as you go you can change that i mean as you listen to us speaking here 
You might reflect on what areas of your life you might have either a growth or a fixed mindset. Because I think one of the things that Carol Dweck points out in her book, you aren't necessarily, you. well, what she's saying is you could have a fixed mindset around one aspect mm. of like, you know, for me, I have a bit of a fixed mindset around learning languages. Yeah. I wasn't very good at it at school. I knew that it was something I, I felt I ought to do, but didn't really want to do. Yeah. We can have fixed mindsets. Like someone could say, well, I'm not very coordinated, for example. Mm. I'm not very coordinated. You throw a ball at them, they freak out. <laughs> All right. I've never been very good at it. I'm not coordinated. I'm hopeless with that. And that fixed mindset just stops them ever learning new sports or getting involved in racket sports or whatever. Yeah, I have a fixed mindset about running, but a very much open growth mindset around walking, hiking. Mm. Which is a version of uh, using your two legs in the same direction. Exactly. So I have a very growth mindset about using my two legs. (laughs) (laughs) But not too fast. Not too fast. Yeah. (laughs) Generally, you might describe yourself, yes, as having a growth mindset, but just accept the fact that within that overall Mm. attitude of being growth mindset, you could still have a fixed mindset about certain things. No big deal. If it's not important to your career or where you want to get to, does it really matter? No, it doesn't. Mm. What we're trying to say here is that overall, we just want to be challenging ourselves to have the ability to lean into those things that we might need to learn and know that while we're learning them, that we can grow in areas in which we are not particularly strong at the moment. Mm. We, In other words, you can grow beyond actually who you are today. You can grow beyond your current skill set if you allow yourself to adapt this more growth uh, mindset. And I think one of the factors in everybody's favour is there you have access to so much information. You can, you, you can learn practically anything, you know. I mean, things like podcasts, f- for me personally, mm. when I'm off walking or something, I've often got a podcast on and you just learn. I learn so much from listening other people Mm. you know having discussions and actually I would say that I really got into serious podcasting addiction probably (laughs) since the pandemic Mm. and I think that I have learned more particularly about myself Mm. through placing a focus on that and actually loving that Mm. in the last four years than Mm. than you know the last 20 Mm probably, particularly from a self-development perspective. And I think that's a really important thing for people to focus on as well, because if you work on yourself and and, and, and some of the things that may be holding you back, then that opens you up to possibilities, you know, much broader possibilities in learning other things. I was so fortunate yeah. to be able to tap into some of the great minds of the universe. Yeah. Those people that have made it their life's work, mm. dedication to a single cause. Yeah. And then they come and make that of information available to a wider population. Mm. That is fantastic. Yeah. You know, you don't have to buy six cassettes off a chap called Orv in Florida <laughs> uh, to get that information. You can just go to your iPhone and click. Yeah. And it's there mm. for free. That is incredible. I mean, even you know? I know that we have to be careful with the use of AI and, and things like chat, GBT, but how quickly can you get information on anything? 
You know, you don't even have to think, mm, what is the search I need to put in Google? You can put anything mm. and you can get a pretty mm. good response, although mm. you do need to fact check some of the stuff mm. that comes out of chat GPT. But unbelievable. It's just getting faster and faster at your fingertips. Yeah. So exciting and really, really exciting. The tools are there to go along with the fast-changing world. We have to, as an individual have to have our mindset to growth. That mm. is the point we're really making here. And there's this wonderful concept in the brain called neuroplasticity, which is a proven neurological phenomenon that our brain will adapt and will grow and create new connections based on what you're asking it to do. Mm. So, for example, if you're working in a world that is, I don't know, let's say that it's more mental arithmetics required. Yeah. And every single day you're, you're having to make a great, greater demand on your mathematical brain. Your brain will literally grow and create new neurons, new synapse mm. connections to meet that demand. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I, I mean, mean, look at what happens with, they, they say that the, um, the way that a cab driver, London cab driver's brains look is very different because they exercise intensely one part of their brain Spatial and the awareness, neural yeah. connections mm. that they have. Yeah. It's, in, mm. you know, it's incredible. There's examples I've read in uh, by neuroscientists where they've operated on brains, mm. where they've had to potentially, you know, they've had to remove certain parts of the brain or someone, for instance, had some brain damage and they have, they, you know, they cite these examples where the brain will adapt mm. and it will grow in other areas to compensate. Yeah, unbelievable. So we have... They have this amazing capacity to develop and grow based on the demands we place upon ourselves. Yeah. And that is a useful belief to have. All right. It's just, you know, if you're uncertain about this, you're listening to thinking, is this really true? Look it up yourself. Do your own research. Mm. Because it's really important that you recognize you have the belief that we have this belief. We know I am convinced that that's what will happen. So I am convinced if I keep training my brain to learn something I'm not familiar with and it is unfamiliar to me today, I mm. have the belief that my brain will have very quickly and eventually adapt yeah, totally. to that new environment and it will serve me. And that's what keeps me moving. And that's yeah. what, even though I find, it, I, I find it difficult to start with, I totally believe that eventually... I will be able to do it. I actually quite, I mean, I've all, I've always, I mean, I, I don't want this to sound arrogant. You know, listeners, you know I'm not an arrogant person. I don't need to abbreviate <laughs> but, that. But no. I do, um, <clears throat> I have always had the belief that if I put my mind to something and learn something, I can be the best at that thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether I am or not, that really, that, Belief mm. helps the process mm. and with all of the resources available to us. I mean, like in, in the pandemic, we very quickly had to learn how to do digital mm. stuff. Well, you certainly, I mean, that's a great example <laughs> you know, for you, and, your and technological with that, skills. If I didn't have a growth mindset... We'd have been dead in the water. Well, I mm. mean, mm. you know, it wasn't all down to me. You did mm. play a very large part mm -hmm. of that process. But if we didn't have a growth mindset mm. around that, we would have done what a lot of other businesses mm. done either mm. close down or stop mm. and wait for it all to be over but yeah I, mm. I just you know I, I think that the mindset is 
is a huge part of it because it's it's either the green light or the red light, isn't it? And I read this really lovely example of Kobe Bryant, you know, the um, sadly the basketball player who um, passed away in a helicopter crash. But anyway, he is someone that is um, purported to have had a, a very, very strong growth mindset and he used to call it the Mamba mindset and the first game that he played um you know at the is it called nba nba level Mm -hmm. so you know massive world stage his first opportunity he basically completely sort of duffered he Mm. he missed a vital shot and Mm. wasn't the the greatest performance but because of his mamba mindset he took that and used that as fuel to Mm. get better and better and similarly i was listening actually this morning to a podcast which was with thierry Henry. he adopted a growth mindset albeit it was to avoid disappointment of his father but he used the need to impress his father as fuel to adopt a growth mindset about his ability Mm. to develop his craft of playing football. And we all know Mm. where that that went. I think uh, the the mindset, whether it comes from a fuel like avoiding the criticism of his father Mm. or I guess Kobe Bryant was avoiding the embarrassment of that, you know, ever happening again, using that fuel. It's it's finding that motivation and that comes from your mindset around. It's just, I mean, whether whether it's fueled by gain or or avoiding pain, there are two major, major forces. Mm. We're obviously strong proponents of talking about what you might gain from doing something as opposed to moving away from fear. But nonetheless, it's still can be a powerful motivator i've been watching the the, the netflix on uh, beckham oh, and um <laughs> that's you know he was talking about he was we were talking about that moment because he'd come through a very very difficult difficult period following the world cup and that infamous sending off um hated by lots of people etc and he went through a very tough period and it did make me i i thought fair play to the guy he kept his head up he accepted responsibility mm-hmm. And what did he do? He relied on his... Uh, uh, he carried on doing what he was great at mm. and kept focusing on it. And we we came to the European UEFA Cup. I think it was in 99. And if you remember, there were um, one nil down uh, with like three minutes to go. It was... I think it was two goals scored from two corners. And he said all he did is he just relied upon the fact... He goes back to his time with his father where... He would repeatedly do corner after Mm, corner after corner after corner after corner until the ball landed in the perfect spot. And he said, that's all I went to. I just relied on that. I relied on the fact it was so deeply ingrained Mm. in his brain that it's automatic. And that's a very, very powerful example of the benefits long term. Yeah. Of, again, neuroplasticity is just so automatic. It's a bit like the, we, we use this example in resilience, but it's a bit like the Navy SEALs, isn't it? They don't rise to the level of the occasion. They fall to the level of their training. Indeed. Absolutely, you know, so yeah. their focus on growth and yeah. discipline and yeah. consistency and developing those yeah. neural connections yeah. enables them to perform no matter what the environment. Well, that's where brilliance comes from, isn't it? It's mm. because most of what you're doing is so unconscious and so automatic. Yeah. You're not having to overthink it. You're not mm. having to, like, you know, Beckham's and his free kicks. It's almost just unconscious. If you look at the Williams sisters, I mean, look at their childhood. Mm. Yeah. 
repeated training so it's so deeply ingrained you become the best of the world mm. who who was it that wrote matthew said is it wrote uh, the book the- called- Bounce. Yeah, I was going to say table t- tennis. Table, yeah, table tennis. <laughs> yeah, I know it is table yeah. tennis, but it wasn't called that, was it? Yeah, Bounce, no, it was. Yeah. Called, his book was called Bounce, but he's he, he he again he talks about in that and how it was a lot of the you know the amazing table mm. tennis players. It was one particular individual he was talking about that came from quite a sort of poor upbringing and the only facilities he had to learn was in a very small room Mm. so his return of service off the end of the table was like lightning speed yeah because that is what he was used to that's what his brain had got used to yeah all these examples demonstrate the phenomenal capacity of the brain to learn new things Mm. all we have to do is apply ourselves to it and possibilities for us are endless. Yeah. You know, it's often trotted out, isn't it? You can do whatever you want in this life if you just put your mind to it. Well, it's, it's pretty much true. Yeah. I'm not suggesting if you're built like a marathon runner, you're going to win sprint races. And if you're a sprinter, you're not going to win marathons because that's a physical thing. Mm. But largely within the realms of possibility, uh, reasonable possibility, it's really exciting to know that we can adapt and change to build new careers, to learn new things, to adapt to a changing world. And that is so critical. That's essentially what we're talking about here. There are three critical behaviours that we have shared with hundreds of people over the years. These three will put you in a good a really good place to adopt what we're speaking about today. Number one is to work harder on yourself than you do on the task. Work harder on the on yourself than you do on the job and the job will take care of itself. Yeah, I think it was Jim Rohn that said if you work on work hard on the job, you'll earn a living. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Uh, a great orator as well. So you're full of those wonderful little uh, ideas and concepts. So that's the first thing, is to make, make what we're saying, is what we've been saying, is make learning a habit. Mm. Get comfortable with it, get used to it, and make sure you build it into your weekly agenda. What are you learning? Well, how are you expanding? Yeah. And so that you can adapt to an ever-changing world. The second is uh, learn from the best. So, you know, look for examples of people that are doing what you want to do. And we call it model excellence. So look at what their behaviours are, what they're reading, what their skills are, and make a plan to develop those skills. And also in learning from the best, there is so much information out there as we've explored. So, you know, look at the the quality of what you're reading and, you know, do your fact checking Mm. and and that sort of Mm. thing. The, the information is definitely out mm. there. One of my earlier teachers, um, he used to say to me, find out what poor people read, don't read it. Yeah. All right? I mean, I'm not sure he's meaning any... He wasn't being derogatory towards no. those people. He, in other words, he was saying, you know, in other words, find out what, you know, wealthier people or happier yeah. people or yeah. healthier fact, whatever people your goal or is. whatever yeah. your goal is, mm. find the very best, model from the best yeah. and and do those same things and mm. you'll, get, you'll, you'll end up getting much the same results. We've always said, don't be in awe of somebody who is brilliant. Yeah. Model that brilliance. Yeah. Success leaves clues, isn't it? Yeah, and so does failure. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. find out what they're doing and go and do the same thing. But I think there is a little bit of a skill here is actually asking the right types of questions mm. when you are modelling somebody. What beliefs does this person have? Yeah. 
that enables them, like public speaking. It's not just going, oh, they're a really impressive public speaker. I wish I was like that. Yeah. Well, find out what they do. Mm. What beliefs do they have? How do they prepare? Mm. How do they structure a presentation? In other words, what are the, what are the beliefs they have? What are the strategies they have that enables them to be able to speak? And then how do they use their physiology? Mm. How do they use their body to be able to do that particular task? Yeah, there's 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 thinking, feelings, behaviours. There is a formula that they are using. The the task is to work out that formula, and they might not be even aware of what the formula is because they so yeah. so so easily and so innately that yeah. they're not even aware of it. So sometimes you have to unpick it. But if you extract that formula from somebody and mm. you duplicate it, guess what? You accelerate and you circumnavigate the kind of school of hard knocks learning yeah. you can get there a lot faster so learn fi- more learn from the best and the third one is make a decision to commit to excellence mm. in other words where are you setting out your own personal standards yeah you know, if you if you you know if you don't have very high standards then there is simply no reason to learn is there but if you set higher standards for yourself then it becomes less of a should and more of a must. You know, you're not just people who say, well, I really should do that or I really, I should have learned, I should have asked that question, I should have prepared earlier. Mm. You know, you end up what we call shoulding all over yourself. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Versus actually turning a should into a must and making it, it's like making a firm commitment. It's like moving from a line in sand to a line in cement, it's going to be permanent. And it opens Um, up, you know, it opens up all sorts of possibilities and raises the the standards in all areas of of your life. So absolutely make a decision to commit to excellence. Our goal here, if there is one thing that we can hopefully inspire you to do, is to become a lifelong learner, Mm. is to commit to recognising that we have the capacity to adapt to this. Yes, this ever-changing world is a bit scary. AI, we're all grappling with that at the moment. Everybody is trying to work out, you know, what does it mean for them? Mm. How do I use it? How do I utilise it? Not to be scared of it, but to learn it is another great example. But to recognise that we have the capacity to learn and expand and grow alongside technology puts you in a pole position, I think, for any prospective employer. It makes you very adaptable as a supplier. If you're a supplier and you have your own business and you're working with clients, to help those clients grow, but also to to be able to adapt and change how you make your offer uh, to clients as well. So it's such an important skill absolutely critical this naturally follows our first powers about vision and understanding where you want to go and so it makes sense that the second one is saying right if that's where i want to get to in my life i need to up my growth power yeah and that's what this has been about so be inspired keep learning and we we've put the ideas and some of the concepts we've talked about into a power tool as usual so feel free to download that and share that with your friends and we look forward to seeing on the next episode which is very exciting because it's with a very good friend of mine rachel stock and we will be talking about neurodiversity Mm. yeah very appropriate to this subject as well yeah 
and in the spirit of learning, please do share this podcast with other people and you're giving them the gift of learning. And yeah, and please do, you know, comment and let us know your thoughts. And please do, by the way, again, in the spirit of learning, let us know if you have anything interesting around this particular subject. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you for listening and we will see you next time. See you next time.